All right, guys. Uh, my name's Eric, and I'm from Chicago. Uh, when I introduce myself at land meetings, I always say, my name's Eric. Sometimes I'll say I'm a dabaholic or a maraholic, and I come to these meetings because I can't stay sober by myself. So it's only right that I introduce myself that way. All right, let me tell you my story. I started smoking weed when I was about 14 years old. I picked up alcohol by 16 years old. I tried marijuana during my high school summer school. Uh, and later on with some friends in high school. At first, it was the funniest, funniest, funniest times with laughter. It took place, just laughing at dumb stuff. And, uh, later on, I came to find out that my childhood abusive father was also smoking weed and I would steal his roaches. And uh, real quick to elaborate that, I remember back in the day when my dad was smoking weed, I had a friend, his name was Bobby, and uh, and he would, he he saw weed in my, and my dad had like one of these metal ashtrays, big, big trays, and he would separate the seeds and stuff. And then I have an older brother, and then my my friend Bobby came over. He's like, you guys leave weed out there like that? And I'm, me and my brother are laughing at Bobby. We're like, no, this is, that's not weed, man. That's, that's, we didn't even know what weed was. He's like, you don't mind? He goes, you don't mind if I take some and smoke it? And then and he, I was like, we don't care. You're dumb because that's not weed. And But he knew it was weed, and then he smoked it. And But, yeah, it was always around. And then uh, when I found out that he was smoking weed, oh, that when he found out that I was smoking weed, uh, me and him developed a new friendship. Um, my friends thought I had the coolest father in the world because he would smoke weed. I didn't think of my father at that, after that point, I didn't think of, I hated my father. I didn't think of him as a, as an abusive asshole anymore. I thought that my father was super cool because he let me smoke weed. Not knowing at the time that he was just using me, it would only take me a couple hits and I was super high. Eventually I dropped out of high school and I would hang out with my across the street neighbor and get high with him all day. Uh, when, when, I, when I was supposed to be in school, also going, I was also going to very dangerous areas in Chicago to buy weed, and we even got robbed a couple times. Luckily, I didn't get shot, and uh, I, I didn't, sh I didn't know, I should have known at, by that point that I had a problem, but I did whatever it took to make sure that I was getting high every day and all day. My neighbor, my neighbor had grew out of smoking marijuana, but I didn't actually, but I actually introduced his younger brother to it. For many years, all my social circle would involve people that smoked weed or drank. We, we would be codependent from one another's addiction. And I never had money to save. All my money pretty much went to weed or beer. When I didn't have it, I got anxiety. I felt depressed and sad all by myself. By my mid-20s, I started feeling pain in my heart. And in my chest, I knew I had asthma, but I couldn't take care. I couldn't care. I didn't care. I kept smoking and drinking regardless of the pain I felt. I knew this pain was being caused by smoke intake. Inside, I was very scared. I knew that I was killing myself, but my urge to stay high would ignore the signs that my body was giving me. I eventually ended up with two addictions and also started selling it because everybody would always ask me where to get it. Um, 
I remember when I was young, way before I even smoked weed, I remember going to the mall and there was this guy, old guy that came up to me. He's like, he's like, he's like, hey man, you know where I can get some weed? He's like, you got any weed for sale? And I was like, nah, man, get away from me, man, you know? And not knowing that that would be my future, you know? And I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't mind getting it for, for them, you know, for my friends, as long as they smoke with me. But then I had some cheap ass friends that never smoked with me, even though I got it from them. They, they were addicted too. But I had such hype friends that they were selfish. They would even, they would even steal my roaches. And I remember getting mad at them for stealing my roaches. And uh, I would never hang out, hang, I'd never hang around these people if it wasn't for my weed habits. And uh, I wouldn't, I would help my drug dealers move out of the house in hopes that they would just give me some weed. So I had all the connections pretty much. And like I said, I started selling it. It was very difficult at first because it was a real change to not smoke up my profit. But eventually I found balance and my customers grew. That it didn't really matter anymore. I could smoke as much as I wanted to and still make money. I did this for over 25 years on and off. By my late 20s, I had a kid. I was like 20. I was 27 when I had my kid, and uh, and and I had a good paying job. I didn't quit dealing, but when I lost my job, I had to sell again to make sure that I all I had weed to smoke and money for my newborn. This lasted for many years, up to a couple months ago. I wrote this. I rem- I wrote this about a year ago, so. Or and my and at the time that I wrote this, he was 13. My son is 14 now, so so you could do the math on how long I smoked and sold weed for. Eventually, I moved back home, and I would get into quarrels with my father because he was jealous that I had weed and he didn't. He went as far as stealing it from me. While I wasn't home, he would break into my stash and deny it afterwards. Eventually, he came back. He came back to physically abuse me, abusing me when he, when he went as far as trying to set me up and get arrested with the police for having weed because he was envious. Uh, I moved out of the house many times because of his Jekyll and Hyde behavior. My dad is bipolar. When he had weed and he was smoking with me, he was the coolest person to be around. And when he didn't have it, he became his true form of depressed, selfish monster. For a while, I quit selling because I smoked up all my stash and I couldn't get back on my feet because of my 24-hour weed habit. I didn't have time for my son. I would only stop for a quick for quick visits because me and his mother had separated because of my infidelity issues. When she took off with my son, my weed habit grew bigger and bigger, and eventually developed. I developed out from heavy drinking because I would. I would smoke so much weed I wouldn't even feel it anymore. So I had to drink a lot of, had to drink a lot. I had to do them together, and uh, I was hanging around my drug dealers all the time, which were my friends, just to get free smokes. Being their bitch, basically, their bad habits of doing graffiti rubbed off on me. But I had good graffiti as a teenager. But then I started redoing it. I got tired of being their bitch, and eventually got a job where I saved up to start the weed business again. That proved to be more successful even more successful this time around because I was learning self-control or so I thought I was. Years passed selling and by this point, 
I was living a double life. I couldn't do fun things with my son because I had to take care of business. A lot of the times, uh, he would just he would just come with me. Uh, he would come with me while I was dealing, and he wouldn't even know it at that that I, that would be happening. I would tell I would tell him that I just have to meet up with somebody, putting myself in jeopardy to get into bigger trouble besides getting arrested. I was risking, you know, my son being, if I would have got caught, of course, you know, child services would have got called in, but I risked all that for marijuana and, to, and, and everything else. One night I did get arrested for possession, but they didn't charge me for distributing. The judge sentenced me for substance abuse classes where I started blaming me and blaming a minority, blaming, I was started blaming me being a minority for what happened to me. Afterwards, I still kept going on with my business. I was hanging around with, with more and more dangerous people. Eventually, I was involved in a raid by the narcotic police with guns drawn to my head. I still kept going afterwards to ensure my habits and my money supply. My tolerance for marijuana grew so big that I would smoke all day and it wouldn't do anything to me. Not knowing that I had gout, I would still drink to make sure I was feeling something. That is until I discovered dabs and live resin with, some, with, with the same dangerous people that I was associating myself with. I would try to quit on and off because my heart and chest pain, they kept growing and growing even more and more. I really thought I was dying. I would look at the bong or the roaches or the blunts and see the tar that was built in there knowing that the same shit was in my lungs and knowing that it made my lips really dark because of all the resin that was building up, I still couldn't quit. Uh, I remember, I'll take a break from this. I remember I would even put um, in my bong, I would put ice cubes and, and tissue in there so we could filter some of it out. I remember putting filters in my blunts and putting filters in my roaches. I'm like, yeah, this is safer. And buying the volcano and all this, other ways that I could get high, but in the end, I would still, I would still go back to smoking as much as I was. I would go to church and pray that I could quit smoking, but as soon as I got out of church, I would roll the fattest, biggest joint or blunt, mix it with wax and teeth, and and it it still wouldn't tickle my fancy. I would need at least a six-pack of beer before I started smoking because of my tolerance was off the roof. My best friend was struggling with alcoholism and went, and I went with him to AA meeting, to an AA meeting one time to support him. And I found these meetings to be helpful for me. And I quit smoking and drinking for, for six months. I thought I had it beat. I even went to my first Marijuana Anonymous meeting up in Evanston in Chicago until one day I experimented with my sobriety. I thought I could do it one day and continue with my sobriety journey, but it didn't turn out that way. I kept smoking for another eight months until Ash Wednesday came around. Then I did the 40 days, 40 nights, which I had did previous even before, I would say years back. Um, sometimes I would, I, would, I would break before the 40 days, but I would always try for that, for that time. And then so I, I did it that time, and it fell around. It fell, Ash Wednesday fell right after Valentine's Day. And, uh, and 40 days, 40 nights, and kept going until this present day. This time around, I would 
I would take the groups very serious because I had a I had an epiphany at, at a meeting of AA. I realized that these meetings are no joke. They're nothing to be played around with. As soon as I as soon as I tell myself that I don't need to go to meetings because I'm sober, that's when I know that I'm in trouble again. That night, I got on my knees and prayed to God and Jesus. My mom has a bunch of Jesus statues in the house. And, and I, this one was staring at me, and I just got on my knees. And uh, I told, I asked Jesus to help me with my chest pain. And, some, and something internally told me that I needed to stop selling it because the Lord wasn't going to heal me and allow me to poison other people at the same time. So I said, I said, you know, this is just a feeling. It's not like a voice came out from the sky or anything like that. And I said, I said, deal, deal, deal. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. So I got out of the business and, uh, that happened around eight. So February came around of, I've been a year and a half sober. So um, around February is when I first sobered up, and then somewhere around eight, March, somewhere around March, you know, I was still feeling chest pains. I was really scared. I thought I was dying. I was really dying. This year you can't die from weed, but I was dying from it, man. I knew that as soon as I inhaled and exhaled, I would feel these pains in my heart. And I told my best friend, and I knew I, I knew it. I'd go to the doctor. And they would tell me that, oh, you only have anxiety, but they can't really open up your chest and crack your chest open and no. But I knew it, you know, and um, and and I knew it. And so come around April, I told all my customers, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to quit selling weed. This, I told them by April, all this stuff has to be gone. And it's like God answered my prayer. I used to sell the vape pens. I'd come to your house. And I would, and I would, um, I had to, I was like the Heisenberg of, I don't know if you guys watch Breaking Bad, but I was the Heisenberg of it. My paranoia allowed me to be steps ahead of the game. I had stashes everywhere. I used to walk around with this limp brush all the time, and that limp brush was a stash. One of the raids, they, they broke in, and then, uh, and they didn't even, they didn't even know that my limp brush was a stash. And they, and, uh, so I didn't get no possession cost on me, you know because of that, because my friend would have snitched on me on that one. And, um, and then basically, um, it was like God was always watching over me. Like, I honestly have to say that. Like, I knew that my higher power was watching over me. And um, so that pretty much, uh, now I do my steps. I, I did all my 12 steps, and I'm doing things the proper way. I've realized why I've been smoking all this time. I was trying to cover up my past and I have been working with my sponsor and all the tools that God gives me to improve myself from the situation. I'm trying to rebuild the time that I've missed with my son and doing what, doing everything in my power that I'm trying to break my family curse. And my mom would tell me when, I, when she first found out that I was smoking, she would say, tell me, Eric, you know, in Spanish, because I'm Mexican, she would tell me, you know, rompe las cadenas. That means break the chains. Break the chains, Eric. And 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 I just, it would just be a corny saying that she would say after a while. Like, it didn't it didn't have no say to me. It was just, uh, but I realized, I tell my son, I tell him, you know, Eric, that 
you know, we have, my last name is Oropesa. I'm like, we have, you have the Oropesa curse, Eric, that if you start smoking weed, you know, you, you're going to become addicted because my grandfather, my grandfather's on my dad's side smoked weed. My dad smokes weed. I don't know if my great, great grandfather smoked weed, but I'm, but I would only guess that maybe so. But I know that this is something that has been, that's been in our bloodline. And even with the drinking, my brother's an alcoholic. And um, so addiction runs in my family. It's, it's genetically built in us. And, um, and I know that this is, this is something that I was just telling my, my son yesterday, like, because he slept over yesterday. He's 14 now, and I told him, you know, if this is grandpa, you know, he still smokes. I used to smoke. I'm trying to stop. Maybe you'll be the one that, that, that doesn't ever pick this up. You know, he's in high school, and I, I told him, this is the time. This is the time, you know, that you need to really do this. And I, um, and I was trying to cover up my past. I work with my sponsor all the time. Um, so I'm, you know, now I'm trying to rebuild the times that I missed with my son. And, and I'm trying to make up for that time. It should have been, I should have been working on music, you know, um, I should have been working on music and I'm a music, I'm a hip hop artist. And basically for a long time, I, I, where I should have been working on music, it was like the rabbit and the hare story, uh, the rabbit and the, and the tortoise story. I'm the rabbit, but weed, but weed, um, would definitely make me take breaks, you know, from my goals. And for a long time that I spent, I'm 41 years old. I should have been where I'm at with my music by the time I was 25, at least, you know, where I'm at right now. But now I'm 41 and I'm trying to regain that time. I, uh, my friend Rick says, you know, we t- turns doers into into dreamers and I was a doer but it turned me into a dreamer so I I spent all this time trying to to regain back you know I'm I'm the I'm the I'm the rabbit now full speed full throttle trying to make up for the time that I've lost so um so I'm trying to re and with my son with my music I'm, I'm on full course you know now and I'm trying to make up for that time and I'm lucky that I that I still have my driver's license and I can work Uber uh, because I should have got a couple of DUIs and I sh- they could have given me a DUI for smoking weed. You know, they they found lots of it on me. And uh, I realize now that all this is is this journey throughout this journey, God has been with me and still is. And I hope my story can help you. And that's pretty much the end of my story. Um, as far as that but as far as me and where i'm at with the program presently because i wrote this a year ago i woke my steps now i'm working with with my my sponsor i call him up every day as much as i can or i'll text them i'll be like i'm checking in i'm checking in or with my sponsors same thing i try to check in with them as much as possible now i'm sharing meetings in chicago and uh i feel like i i had to go through this experience of slavery, you know, it, um, I try to, I try to help newcomers that come to the land meetings as much as possible, and um, maybe I had to go through this hell, so, so it can benefit somebody else. And I do plan 
to write songs about your sobriety. I know, I think I know my mission, and um, and it's it's too it's too uh, you know when I write music sometimes it's about you know how how it's metaphoric wordplay of how dope we are and how you know how how no other rapper can touch me you know and um and now it's more about how i'm planning i have songs that i still need to release but after all that's said and done for my third album i'm definitely writing more conscious music i remember i wrote this song uh even back when uh when my son was about two years old or three years old it's called um it was called it's called give me just another day and it was about trying to recover i had quit smoking weed about i would say like a month and then I had wrote this song when I was on a little vacation trip. And I remember that, um, I remember that that song needs to be released. And, and I was like, in the verse ago, I smoked so much straw, I don't even feel it no more. I think to myself, why am I spending all this dough? And I got to stick around just to see, to see my son grow. I forgot the lyrics, how it goes like that, but it definitely, like, I knew that, I, that, I had to stick around for my son. So the song, the chorus goes, give me just another day. I'm going to try to make it better today. So I'm like, I would always ask God, give me another day. Don't don't take me yet because I know I got more work to do. It almost makes me choke up as I'm saying that. And he led me to the program. He led me to to the program. And he knew that that my strength and experience would is, is going to help somebody else out. And uh, and and this is my plan for the future is to is to take this and uh, and help somebody else you know through the meetings and through my music and and that's where I'm at now I'm trying to regain time with my son but I'm I tell my dad all the time you know that you know the cycle of addiction we waste our we waste our health we waste our money just for like 15 to 30 minutes of pleasure. And then we're back to slavery, and it's a cycle of addiction that continues on, you know. And um, I'm still working on myself. I'm still working on on my uh, cross addictions to, uh, to social media. To because I'm a compulsive person, you know. And and I'm trying to work on my. I did all my steps, but I always go back to the first. All the all the ones that begin with one, one, eleven, ten, twelve. And, and work on my sixth and seventh. Um, my spiritual side has been growing. Now I'm taking care of my physical self, going to the gym. And all this is possible because of sobriety and, and working with my higher powers. Without that, you know, without, if when it was, and taking the, the meeting serious, because without that, it's, it's my foundation and, and the rest will crumble. The rest will crumble. I, I won't be able to, I'll go to shows and I'll, I'll, I'm the best liar to myself. And I'll lie to myself, and I and I don't want to go through that again. And uh, so I want to thank you guys for letting me speak. I want to thank Jesse. I want to thank all you guys for every time that I come. When I discovered the the uh, phone meetings, it was um, we were reading the Life of Hope book. I found MA online, and I was like, yeah, you know what? I could do these phone meetings. And I, that that convinced me to do the phone meeting. And uh, and then I was like, I so I found MA on the phone meeting as well. So this is the best. I, I love these phone meetings, and I'm going to continue to uh, shine them as much as possible. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks, guys.